Dave Gilbert here, and today we'll be talking about Mary and the Rosary. That's coming up next on Band of Christian Brothers. Band of Christian Brothers. Hello and welcome to the Band of Christian Brothers program, where men are emboldened to grow in faith and virtue, ultimately for you to become the man God is calling you to be. I am your host, David Gilbert, and you can find us on Band of Christian Brothers online at bandofchristianbrothers.com or subscribe and download to the podcast from iTunes or Google Play. You can also follow us on Facebook, and you can find me on Twitter at Gilbert Speaker. And to discuss Mary and the Rosary, today we have Gregory Watson. Greg, welcome back. Great. It's like, uh, thanks. It's... I was just All right. So, Greg, anyways. Hey, it's thanks to be here. That's right. I'm forced here by my own, <laughs> not my own free will here. Okay, so Greg, Mary. So a lot of people ask, especially those who are not Catholic, Mary, and why is she important? What What would you say to someone who uh, who asked you why is she important? Well, um, I guess I would start by commiserating with them, you know, understanding their objection, because as a Protestant, like growing up Protestant. I had the exact same objections. So, you know, I start off kind of trying to meet them where they are and, and identifying with the fact that, yeah, okay, it does kind of seem weird. Um, but then I'd say, think about it, that Jesus came to earth as a human, as a, a fully human person, even though he was fully divine at the same time. And being fully human meant that he had a family, that he had a mother. And that if we are his brothers and sisters adopted sons and daughters of God, then we also have her as our mother. And Jesus, whom we are supposed to imitate in our desire to be holy, in our desire to be saints, he fully obeyed the commandments. He completely honored his mother. And so in imitating him, we should love and honor his mother as well because in the spiritual life, she is also our mother. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, we are called to imitate Christ, and if Christ holds her up, then we should also hold her up. Yeah. And so why do we give her too... Do you think we give her too much of a role or, or, or honor? I mean, some people would say, well, why why even acknowledge Mary, right? I mean, why not just go straight to Jesus? Why, why do we need to acknowledge her at all? I mean, after all, isn't she just a creature? Yeah, well... I would give, uh, I guess, two responses to that point. The first is, um, again, when I was outside the church, everything Catholic seemed to be somehow about Mary. That, you know, it was Mary this and Mary that, and, you know, everything was, was a Hail Mary or a, or a Hail Holy Queen or a, you know, what have you not. But when I became a Catholic, I saw that, Everything really is about Jesus. And even the stuff about Mary, while it seemed big from the outside, from the inside it, it seemed normal in its context, in its in its role within the church. She seems a lot bigger when you're outside the church than when you're inside the church in a weird way. Um, yes, we honor her, we venerate her, but when we take in the whole 
gamut of Catholic spirituality, the place that we give to Mary seems very organic, very natural. And I think that's kind of the point, is that it is natural. It is um, part of, you know, what we would experience in nature. The position of the mother in the household is the same as the position of Mary within the church. And so it, it just makes sense. Yeah, and what you're referring to is kind of like, uh, if I give an example, it's kind of like you're you're the kid, right? And um, you did something wrong. But, yeah. So you go to mom first and let mom know so that mom then goes to dad and kind of softens it for so- you. Softens the blow there. Or or if you really, really want something, you know your dad's going to be like, no. But you're, you're like, mom, come on, I really need you know that new pair of shoes or, or whatever it happened to be when you were a kid. And, and she'd kind of be like... Well, you know, you know, she 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 always seemed like the softy, yeah. When it when it came to to getting your way, I guess. And I mean, not not that we should look at Mary as as the person that we go to in order to manipulate God to doing what we want, but there is that that natural uh, familiarity there. Like you know, every child's first word seems to be mama. Or data, depending if you're the mom or the dad. Well, <laughs> yeah. But, but but I think another way... But I mean, that's that's kind of the point. Another way of looking at it, I guess, is historical and theological is, you know, back uh, in ancient Israel, that you, you used to have the king, mm-hmm. which would be Christ. Right. But then you'd also have the queen mom. Yeah. Right? And, because, and usually people because would... Because the kings often engaged in... in even the, the Israeli kings, even, you know, David, Solomon especially, had multiple wives... And then, you know, their wives would have children. And then when, so when the king dies, who, like, who's the queen then? If you, if you have, if you have four wives, who's, who's the queen of the country? Who's, whose son is going to be the next king? And so the queen wasn't viewed as the wife of the king, but the mother of the king. Yeah. And what people would do is they would, uh, if they wanted to petition the king, mm-hmm. They would actually go to the queen, and then the queen on their behalf would then petition the king, right? right. It's kind of like, you know, if we were to go to Mary and say, okay, um, you know, here's this gift I have for Christ, and, you know, it's an orange, right? And uh, But you give it to Mary. And then Mary takes that orange and puts it on a silver platter. Maybe she'll put some garnish on it, and then she'll present it to the king, Christ. Right, yeah. Right? And it's kind of like the same way where when we ask for Mary's intercession, you know, she always points us back to her son, right? It's always her son, right? And I think you were saying too, like in the catechism, you were saying something about how there is a quote of, you know, Mary basically points us to a truth or belief about Christ. Right. And and like in the, in the wedding at Cana, right, Mary always points people to Christ. And like she yeah. even went to the servants and said, do whatever he tells you to do, right? That's right. That's right. In uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 487, it says, what the Catholic faith believes about Mary is based on what it believes about Christ. And what it teaches about Mary illumines in turn its faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the obvious example is that first Marian dogma that was defined, that Mary is the mother of God. And people will object to that. Like, what do you mean she's the mother of God? She's not bigger than God. She's not greater than God. She didn't cause God to come into being. But that's not what it's about. When we say that Mary is the mother of God, what we're saying is that Jesus, the man, was also God, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, taking on flesh in the womb of Mary. And so that 
Jesus is one person, one divine person with both a divine nature and a human nature. And Mary didn't just give birth to Jesus' human nature. A mother doesn't give birth to a nature. She gives birth to a person, Mm -hmm. and the person of Jesus is divine. So when Jesus was in Mary's womb, right from the moment of his conception, he was always God, the second person of the Holy Trinity. So therefore, if Mary is bearing God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, in her womb and giving God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, flesh, and then giving birth to him nine months later, Mary is the mother of God. Not that she originated God or even the second person of the Trinity who existed from all eternity, but he entered her womb and took on flesh and became a man through Mary, and she gave birth to that man, Jesus Christ, who was God. So when we say Mary is the mother of God, what we're saying, what we're illuminating is the fact that Jesus is both God and man, and the fact that he was absolutely 100% God, even in the womb of Mary. So we're safeguarding that teaching from, from the heresies in the early church that taught that either he was a man or he only seemed to be a man, but was actually God, or on the other hand, that he was just a man and that God infused him with his Holy Spirit at some point later and, and deified him or, or whatnot. Hmm. So the church examined those and they said, no, Jesus is truly God, truly man. Mary is his mother. Therefore, Mary is the mother of God. Yeah. In that very clear and defined sense. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think the other thing too is, um, you know, going back to Mary and, and why should we, you know, seek her intercession and, and things. She always seems to be concerned about us, mm-hmm. her children, right? In terms of like the apparitions and stuff too, whether it's Lourdes, Fatima, I think there's um, Knox. I think there's, you know, a bunch of other ones. Right. Um, but anyways... You know, she always is concerned about her children, right? And we are her, we are her children, and so it's it's very important that we seek her guidance, we seek her advice, but also too we petition our Lord through her because she can present it to her son much better than we can. Absolutely. Um, I remember like growing up uh, Pentecostal, we were always very opposed to like tradition, quote unquote, and you know, formally written out prayers. Everything was supposed to be spontaneous because when it was spontaneous, that's when it was from the heart. Yep. And I remember when I became a Catholic and, and you know, learning about all like the, the prayers that the church uses that are already pre-written and everything like that. And and that line from those old Hallmark commercials, like if you could say it like Hallmark, you wouldn't need Hallmark. And it kind of struck me as that's what that's what prayers that are written out are kind of like. It's like, okay, sometimes I just don't know what I want to pray for or what I need in this situation. But, you know, some saint somewhere has, has actually composed a prayer that I can pray and, and put my intention, my desire, my need into those words and say it to God. Well, Mary is kind of the example of that par excellence where we can ask her to pray for us, just like I would ask you to pray for me. Um, You know, sometimes I'm so caught up in my own situation that I know I don't, Maybe I don't have the faith or, I, you know, I don't even know what's going on. I don't even know what's best for me. You as, you know, an outside person or even just like as an extra person, you know, like power in numbers, right? You pray for me. I pray for you. You know, we're not in this alone. It's a community. Yeah. And just because 
someone has has gone to heaven and is with with Christ doesn't mean that they're not still connected to us. Yeah. St. Paul says in 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 Romans that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. You know, neither neither death nor life nor, you know, heaven or hell or angels or, you know, whatever, like goes through a whole list of everything. But like the very first thing is like not death. Death doesn't separate us from the love of Christ. Why would death separate us from other people who love Christ then? Yeah. You know, well, we're all still connected. We're all still one body. Well, and Mary is queen of heaven. She's the saint amongst right. all the saints, she's, right? And she has that yeah. that relationship with Christ, that intimacy with Christ. But then also, too, like uh, going back to your point about, you know, sometimes you just don't have the words. Like mm-hmm. I know for me, whenever I'm, you know, in trouble or tempted or, or what have you, or sometimes I just can't find the words, I'll just say Hail Mary. And, yep. um, you know, it... Uh, at least for me, it's been it's been very helpful, for sure. So, and I mean, she knows. I mean, how many times when when we were kids did you know mom just know what we needed? You know, like our parents always knew better than we did what we needed because we were kids. Yeah. We didn't know, and I mean, I think the same is infinitely true in the spiritual life. Like we don't know what's good for us. Yeah. You know, maybe we think this particular thing is good, and we're praying. Oh, you know, maybe it's a job. We, we've applied for what we think is like going to be our dream job. And we're like, you know, please, please let me get this job. And, we, and you know, so we'll, we'll you know, pray and, and maybe pray a rosary asking, you know, that Mary would, would grant us this job. And then we don't get that job. And we're like, well, come on. And then like as soon as we don't get it, if we, you know, when we surrender that and we're like, okay, well, I guess God has a better plan. And then like right around the corner, some other like fantastic job that we wouldn't even thought of. Or even, you know, it maybe didn't seem like a fantastic job, but once we've, you know, we've accepted whatever actually has come our way as God's will, we realize how much more perfect that would have been. Or, or you know, maybe the company that we had applied for, like, suddenly went out of business all of a sudden. Or, you know, who knows what it might have been. And maybe, you know, in many cases, we won't know until we're actually up in heaven and, you know, see the whole plan, the whole tapestry yeah. Um. Finally, get that answer, but we can trust that Mary, who's in heaven, has that eternal perspective and that that union with Christ to know what the plan is better than we obviously do from our limited perspective. So she can give us those, like distribute those graces from Christ yeah. in a way that that will meet our actual needs much better than we would know. Well, and that's a good point because, uh, and it was interesting is. Um, just recently I, I did the, um, consecration to Mary yeah. with, with Teresa. And one of the things that it was talking about and suggesting is, you know, when you pray the rosary, instead of, you know, having your own intentions, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you could still say, you know, for remission, for remission of my sins or, you know, for a certain loved one or, or what have you, but, entrusting all the merits of the rosary to our lady. Mm -hmm. And it was basically saying is because she knows she has the bigger picture and she knows where those graces, where those blessings are best put to use, whether it's for yourself or a family member or maybe even a friend or something, because you know, you do not know the bigger picture. And so, uh, so yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, St. Louis de Montfort who wrote true devotion to Mary, Mm -hmm. which was all about that consecration that you're talking about. He has a wonderful um, allegorical, like, spiritual interpretation of that uh, the Jacob and Esau story in Genesis that takes, you know, when Jacob 
tricks his father into um, giving him the blessing um, instead of Esau. And he, he dresses up in like goat skins and you know smells like his brother. And his mom makes his dad's favorite stew in order to make um, Isaac believe that that he's about to bless Esau instead of Jacob. And Saint Louis de Montfort allegorically interprets that that Esau is Jesus in this scenario, and Jacob is us. And on our own, we're going to get nothing because Jesus is the one who is, he's the firstborn. He's, you know, he's God. He's the one who has merited through the cross, all of, all of glory and everything like that. And we're just, you know, kind of that, that second son that's, you know, not really all that good at much. And, and we're, you know, haven't necessarily lived that good life. You know, speak for yourself, man. Jacob was the swindler. He was the deceiver. And I mean, he's kind of deceiving right now in this whole story. But he goes to his mom and is like, help me, help me do this. And she does. She makes, you know, Jacob seem more like Esau. And so Mary, you know, helps us to be more like Jesus. And she presents our offerings. She goes and takes, you know, the the lamb that like uh, uh, Rebecca takes a lamb that, that Jacob has gone and killed from his pasture and cooks it up in a stew that's just like um, Isaac loves. And so it's like when we take our offerings, our prayers, our humble service to God that's, you know, woefully inadequate and we present it through Mary, she takes it up, she dresses it up in a way that that is the most pleasing to God by adding her own merits that, that she merited and, you know, Christ's merits that he merited for us to the cross and brings it to God in a way that is the most pleasing that it could possibly be in order that our meager little offering would have the greatest amount of, of impact. Yeah. And I thought that was just, just a beautiful interpretation of, of that passage that, that just made things kind of like so clear for me. Yeah. Well, it definitely in, uh, illustrates that point. Now we've been talking about praying and going to marry our mother and everything like that. It doesn't really sound too manly, and I know there might be kind of a, a resistance or a pushback in terms of, well, you know, how how can we as men relate to our mother? How can we, um, you know, approach our lady in such a way? Because, you know, in some respects, it, it almost seems opposite of how a, a man would you know, right. uh, react, right? Rather than a child or, or a woman, even a grown woman, they still have that attachment to their mother. Yeah. Um, so, you know, why as men should we Some, go to... Sometimes too much so, am I right? Yeah, <laughs> 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 I'm not let's, no. let's not go there. But uh, so, so why I love should, your mother-in-law. Why should we men... I do have a great mother-in-law, you if do. you're listening. So do I. So, uh, but, um, <laughs> you know, why should we men have a devotion to her? Right. I remember um, along that, that line, my wife um, was in a, she had taken like a, a Catholic leadership kind of program through her diocese many, many years ago. And one of the other guys, when they, they had a session about Mary and Mary and devotion and, and we're talking about that, the one guy's like, well, why is guys when he's learned this? You know, guy, Jesus is, is you know, guys go to Jesus and, and Mary's just for the women. The women go to Mary and, and everyone's like, no, that's no, <laughs> that's not it at all. And, um, you know, as men, I think, you know, it's important that, that we understand that Mary is, is a vital part of our spirituality as well. Um, not just in the sense of, of, you know, 
she's our mother and, and we should be, you know, mama's boys. Um, but, uh, you know, more, I would say viewing it in a, that chivalric, that knightly kind of, uh, attitude that, uh, that we should aspire to, um, you know, the, the classic, uh, I guess trope would be the word of the knight who goes off into battles and, and on a quest to, to become a greater man, to, to come back with riches and honor and stuff so that he can win the heart of his fair maiden, um, was actually a trope, a concept that was developed out of the merry and piety of the middle ages, that that fair maiden whose honor the, the knight, um, was hoping to win was in fact, not just a lady, but the lady, our lady. And so, when we take that that notion into today's world, when we want to live as good Catholic chivalrous knightly men in our in our daily lives, we should take that model of of trying to better ourselves, of of trying to to live that chivalric um, ideal in a way to honor our Lady, so that she would bless us with her favor. Um, just as the the fair maiden in the legends would bless her knight with with a favor with a token that would they would go out on their quest with well that's a great way of of, of explaining it because I think especially now in our our day and age where chivalry seems almost lost and you know you have the machismo man or the you know the feminist that needs no man and so uh I think it's great to 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 illustrate the the whole thing of of honor and seeking that honor. And you know, fighting, fighting for her. I think on 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 that note. Oh, sorry, Greg. Did you want to say something? Well, I was, was going to go to break. Yeah, I was just going to say that you know, like when we have a spirituality that doesn't include Mary, we can tend either towards that machismo, you know, overbearing masculinity that that is a false masculinity, or you know, a false patriarchy that is the domineering man, or a very abstract, uh, a very um, theoretical spirituality that has no real practical or incarnational element to it, um, you know, where where Christianity is just a, a lofty ideal or philosophy or a, a, a bunch of teachings. Whereas when men, truly manly masculine men, are spiritual in a way that incorporates that Marian dimension, it has... Uh, a more holistic, a more um, organic, and a more, uh, I guess, almost a softening of that masculine spirituality in a in a proper way, in a proper context that makes it more authentic. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. It's all about balance. Yeah. <laughs> all right, and on that note, we'll definitely go for a break now, and we'll be back with you in a moment. All right, and we're back. So we're talking about Our Lady and, and the importance of her and why we should seek her, her intercession. And, you know, a big part of that, I think, is, you know, the rosary. Uh, at least for me, that's played a big big impact in my life in terms of the grace I need to, to have in terms of, you know, answering prayers, but then also to uh, battling any kind of temptations or difficulties that I may be facing. And I just found that it's such a powerful tool of prayer to our lady and it's not 
praying to Our Lady in the sense of, you know, we're worshiping her. Like you were saying before, everything that Mary does points us to her son, Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, the, the rosary is, is you know, uh, you have the, the, the crucifix, which is, you know, the, the Apostles' Creed. Then you have the Our Father, the three Hail Marys for the virtue of faith, hope, and charity. And then you have the five decades, and each decade you meditate on, you know, a particular mystery, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's joyful, sorrowful, glorious, or, or luminous. And, you know, I found that's been a big part of my deepening of faith, but also to just uh, overcoming any temptation or, or difficulty. Uh, Greg, do you, do you have anything to say about that? Absolutely. Uh, like you said, um, and I agree with you, the, the rosary is, is my favorite prayer. My favorite form of prayer, my favorite way of praying. See, I sorry to interrupt, but like I find that the most difficult just because it takes like fifteen, twenty minutes to pray. Like it, it's not easy. Like you have no, to really no. set the time to do it. You have, it takes an effort. It's true, but at the same time, it's like, oh man, I wish I'd pray more. It's like pray the rosary, and you're automatically praying for like twenty minutes, half an hour. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah. look, there it goes. Um, and yeah, it's it's not easy, and I mean. Again, uh, coming from a Protestant background, it was, you know, almost foreign. It was, you know, hard to even take it up in the first place. And yet, ironically, I could say the rosary made me a Catholic uh, in certain ways. But, um, and uh, that would be, I think, partly why it's it's my favorite prayer. But um, I like it because there's so much depth to it. There's so many, like, kind of components to it. Like, you've got the rosary beads themselves. So you have like this tactile, physical object. And sometimes even when you don't have the the energy or the, the I guess, the, um, the spiritual, I don't know, wherewithal to, to pray, where you, you just can't feel like you have any, uh, like you, you're too weighed down by guilt. You're too weighed down by remorse for, for sins. You just feel too burdened. You feel too at a loss in perhaps a bad situation to even to even say words even repeating words that you you know learned in in your childhood just holding that chain of of beads can feel like you know a prayer in and of itself just holding on to it like you're holding your mother's hand yep um and yet at the same time uh you know uh, a wonderful book came out last year um called Champions of the Rosary by Father Donald Calloway and that is it's just an amazing book. Read that book. Go out and go out and get that book. Seriously. So good. He he equates it to a sword, to a spiritual weapon. And uh and so on the other hand, you know, not only is it, you know, sometimes just grasping f- with all your might just holding onto your mother's hand, but at the same time it's that spiritual sword, that weapon to know that that through this rosary I can defend my faith, my my virtue, my family um mm. that I can that I can fight evil and, and win souls. And I mean, that's, that's how it was, you know, originally kind of presented, um, to St. Dominic back, uh, in the, in the 13th century, you know, he's, he's in South of France, right? He's preaching the gospel, trying to win back, uh, heres- uh, heretics that had, had just torn apart the South of France, causing civil unrest. And, you know, most importantly, stealing Catholic souls away from the faith and, and leading them down a dangerous path. Um, and he he would preach to them, try to win them back, um, and was just having very little success. 
And so he went out to uh, a convent um, in a small town called Puy, and he's praying there in the chapel. And he's like, you know, help me, help me figure out how to how to win these win these souls. And he has a vision of Mary, who appears to him, and she says, "My son, do you want to know how to win souls?" And he says, "Yes." She says, "Preach my psalter." And she called it her psalter because you know the 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 rosary has the 150 Hail Marys in the five decades or well 15 decades at least back then before the luminous mysteries and they were originally um even before saint dominic's time people would who couldn't memorize or read the psalms when they saw the the monks praying the psalms every day they're like well i want to do something like that but i don't know the psalms i can't read the psalms i'm you know a poor illiterate peasant and so the monks would teach them to pray like our fathers and hail marys on a string of beads and so they would do this and you know um Originally, it was mostly our fathers, but during the Middle Ages, um, Marian piety grew. And so Mary, uh, the 150 Hail Marys kind of took over, and it became known as praying Our Lady's Psalter, because 150 Psalms, 150 Hail Marys. And so Our Lady appeared to St. Dominic, and she instructed him to preach that Psalter. And not just preach and tell people to pray 150 Hail Marys on a string of beads, but preach mysteries that were attached to it and so you you mentioned the joyful the the luminous the sorrowful the glorious mysteries the luminous being the ones back in 2002 that saint john paul ii added to the rosary to incorporate aspects of jesus public ministry into the rosary but originally it was just the the events surrounding jesus conception birth and childhood the uh, events surrounding his passion and death and the uh the events surrounding his resurrection ascension uh, Pentecost and um, Our Lady's Assumption and, and coronation, coronation to, in, in glory. Yep. Um, and these mysteries were, or so, so her Psalter, she divided it up for St. Dominic into these sets of mysteries that each highlighted an aspect of the faith that was being contested, that was being denied by the heretics of that time. So the Albigensian heretics in the south of France were denying that Christ was actually a man, that he seemed to be a man, but he was really God. He was really spiritual. He was trying to teach us how to be more spiritual. It was very much like uh, the ancient Gnostic heresy where where matter was evil, physicality was evil, and spirituality was good. Yep. And they well, were, that's a lot like today, right? A yeah. lot of people say, oh, you know, the soul is good, the flesh is bad. Yeah. But, I mean, we're incarnate beings. Like, yeah. we're body and soul. And, and you know... Death will separate our body and soul, but uh, on the the final judgment, we're going to be reunited right. again. Right. And and Christ and Our Lady ascended into heaven, body and soul. Right. right. And so that's that's who we are. This is what we are. So our flesh is just as much as important as our as our spirit. Right. right. And I think. And so the Albigensians they were denying that. Mm-hmm. And so in preaching the mysteries of the Rosary and having. People pray it. So St. Dominic would go from town to town. He would preach whichever mystery. And then at the end of his sermon, he would have them pray that decade and meditate on it. So he would preach that Jesus did become an actual human being in the flesh. And that flesh, the world around us, was inherently good. Yes, we were corrupted by sin. We have a, you know that fallen aspect to us, concupiscence and all that. But Jesus came to redeem that. That's right. God made it good, but then at the same time, too, we were redeemed by the flesh. Mm-hmm. 
It was by it was, his death, by his blood, right. by his wounds that we are redeemed. Exactly. So Jesus became incarnate, his conception, his birth, so hence the glorious mysteries. He became flesh. In his flesh he suffered and died. Really died. Yep. So the sorrowful mysteries. And that's how we were redeemed, through his blood, through his death. And then he was really in the flesh, resurrected, ascended into heaven, sent his spirit upon us, and assumed, took his mother up, body and soul, into heaven. The body, the soul, they're good together when we are united to Christ through his suffering, through his passion, and made holy. Well, and that's a good good history lesson there, Greg. Thanks for sharing that. one thing I want to go back on, though, is is the effectiveness of the rosary. Mm. Like, it, I have heard so many stories, and, and one of the blessings of you know doing because uh, we have our apostolate uh, Servium Ministries, and um, yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say what, Catholic. What, chat. what year is it again? Oh, that's right. Abi babu, abu babe. Okay. <laughs> So one of the many blessings of, you know, uh, having our apostolate Servian Ministries is that we, we get to encounter a lot of people and, and we get to hear stories as well. And, you know, one thing we like to do is, you know, we have this feedback form. And if you, f- if you fill out this feedback form, you enter into a draw to win a combat rosary, right? Mm-hmm. And so a combat rosary is, you know, a, a ball link chain um, rosary that's um, made... Uh, and it's based on the World War One, World War Two military issued rosary that the U.S. government uh, issued during that that time, which is actually kind of hard to believe that it actually issued it. Uh, now, how far things have gone nowadays, but anyways, it's a beautiful rosary. That's it's okay, a strong. Trump will make it great again. That's right, <laughs> MAGA man, MAGA. Uh, so, uh, but anyways, um, so much win. That's right. It's too much winning. I can't take it anymore. But, but, but anyway, hey, well, he's still better than Trudeau, okay? Trudeau, uh, Lord help us in Canada. But anyways. Not to mention too much win in Ontario. <laughs> Good one, Zing. <laughs> okay, but getting back on track. So it's a beautiful rosary. It's strong. It's sturdy. It's heavy. Like you really feel it. Like it's a man's man's rosary. So it's a combat rosary. You can check it out on com in the shop. But anyways, um, the the story I want to share with you is that there was this woman who, who won the draw and she was so excited that she got it, but she gave the rosary to her husband and her husband hadn't been to confession in years and never even practiced his faith. She gave him that rosary and he started praying the rosary. So within two weeks of her getting it, he was starting to pray the rosary and he made his first confession in years. That's awesome. Which is amazing, but the story doesn't end there. She, um, after two weeks, after he you know, started praying the rosary, went to confession, his daughter went into the garage and found him underneath the car. He was, fi- he was trying to fix the, you know, his car, and I guess you know, the jack came loose or whatever, came, crushed him, and unfortunately his daughter found him, but he was dead. But the wife afterwards came to us and said, look, you know, as, as tragic as her husband dying and, you know, her her daughter finding her dad there, she believes Mary wanted her to have this rosary for her husband because she believes that she was preparing him for his death. Mm. And um, she was in tears. She was bawling. But she was thanking me in terms of, you know, offering that rosary and her winning it. And, 
it was just such a beautiful story and there's been other stories too but but that one has stuck with me uh for throughout the years and wow. um you know you just never know and you just have to be open to that yes just like mary said yes to god we too must be open to that yes to christ and the rosary is a way that it breaks down barriers it breaks down you know temptations and sins but mm-hmm. we need to give that yes too and surrender it and our lady is there she wants to help us and um anyways and i know for me too in a previous episode we were talking about you know temptation and our sins and i was sharing but like for me the rosary played a big part in in overcoming some of my sins that I was uh, struggling with, particularly with, you know, the, the sin of lust. And, uh, you know, it was Our Lady. Mm-hmm. And and particularly praying the rosary, going to confession, receiving yeah. the Eucharist, but praying the rosary daily. And it wasn't until I started doing it daily, not once in a while or when I felt like it or when I had the time. No, making that effort every day to pray um, definitely helped me out a lot. Yeah, Greg, did you did you want to share? I know you oh, have some I amazing have, stories, I but maybe several. just uh, <laughs> maybe just pick one due to timeliness. But I'll uh, I'll give you two. Okay, because I can't help, can't help it. I know you love to awesome. talk. I know, um, that's why you have me on here. The uh, so the first one is is kind of similar to yours in the in that it features the combat rosary and a man who hadn't been in confession in many many years. <clears throat> a coworker of mine, he. Uh, he went back to confession after after many many years, but still was kind of stalled in his faith. He was going to confession kind of sort of regularly, at least you know more frequently than once every twenty years. But you know he you know he wouldn't pray the rosary or whatever. But his his uh, his fiance was starting to to reclaim her faith too, and she wanted a rosary. And so I you know I made one because I like to make things, so I made her a rosary, but. At one of the most recent uh, Band of Christian Brothers events, I bought him a combat rosary as well, and I told him this. He's like, "Well, she wanted the rosary. I don't. I don't want to. What am I going to do with that?" I'm like, "Well, I figured you might like it because you used to be military, and it's a replica of a World War One rosary." He's like, "Really?" I'm like, "Yeah, and it's made out of gunmetal." He's like, "All right, I got to see this." So I give it to him, and he's like, "This thing is awesome," and he's so. He, um, you know, I don't know if he's quite gotten to the to the praying it, but uh, I know she has been praying hers frequently, even with their kid. And he sleeps with his under his pillow. He takes it with him wherever he goes. Um, hopefully, he brings it with him tomorrow because apparently he's going skydiving. <laughs> In case the parachute doesn't work, you know, at least he'll have something. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's amazing to see, like, just, and, but it was that hook of, of well, it's a combat rosary, a replica from World War One, And, like, that was all it needed. He's like, well, because he kind of had that same sort of objection we were talking about earlier. It's like, well, why should a manly man, because he's, you know, he's a manly man. Why would a manly man be interested in marrying devotion? That's like for women. Well, not if it's a combat rosary, sucker. That's right. <laughs> um, but the other, the other one I briefly wanted to share with you was, was about my neighbor who, uh, his wife, uh, his sorry, his, his aunt was dying of tuberculosis in uh, in Argentina, and so he wanted a rosary because he wanted to explore Catholicism. Because up until that point, he'd been practicing Judaism, and um, I gave him the rosary. He went down to Argentina and sat by her bedside, hopeless and helpless to do anything for her as she was on her deathbed. And he pulled out that rosary that I'd given him, and he prayed it 
with her at her deathbed and she was healed and just like immediately and miraculously and the next day like discharged from the hospital so i mean if nothing else in my own personal life that is just possibly the most amazing testament of of the rosary's power and effectiveness to to answer prayer yeah well it's a it's a great tool for healing it's a great tool for um, fighting any temptation. It's mm-hmm. like a weapon, right? I it mean, is. You want to give the devil two black eyes? Pray the rosary. That's right. So and I encourage every every man out there and woman, if you're listening, to pray the rosary. It's yeah. difficult. It's tough. But you know what? Where there's no sacrifice, there's no reward, right? right. So if, if it's easy, then, then where's the reward in that, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, pray the rosary. Our lady is there. She's waiting for you. And, you know, we need to... Well... I don't know about you, but I need all the graces that I can get. I know I'm not perfect, but I know she can present my prayers more perfectly to her son. Yeah. And, you know, at the, at the same time, sometimes you might be too ashamed to, to, to go to Christ. And so what do you do? You go to mom. That's right. And then mom goes to, to yeah. So, uh, so yeah, anyways, uh, Greg, any, any other closing thoughts before we wrap this up, man? Or uh, Yeah, um... I would say just uh, the one last thing about, you know, praying the rosary, like you were saying about it can be hard, it can be a challenge. Um, sometimes it, it uh, I know some people who find it actually easy. So maybe if you're struggling with your prayer life and you're not praying the rosary, you might try it and find that it, it actually is a great assistance to your prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've mentioned before on the show that like I actually have ADHD. Uh, so sometimes just sitting and, and f- trying to focus on something is very difficult for me. But having that, the beads in my hand, having the repetition of the Hail Marys to kind of center my mind helps me to then take the time to focus on the mysteries, it takes the time to to be able to, to concentrate my my heart, my soul into a prayerful attitude and just the, the, the different elements, the tactile object, the, the vocal prayer and the mental meditations um, all unite to... to be an antidote for the things that would normally distract me from prayer. So mm-hmm. it's actually been been beneficial in that way. So I know it's not necessary for everyone to be an easy thing, but for some people it's it's exactly what they need. For others it might be a struggle. But either way, I would absolutely recommend it because of the spiritual gain that it brings. Awesome. All right, well, what do you say we finish off uh, this episode with a Hail Mary? For sure. All right, and they have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Hail, Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All right, well, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Listen to us at bandofchristianbrothers.com, iTunes, or Google Play. And remember... Iron sharpens iron. Become the man God created you to be. Signing off in here today. God bless you. Bye-bye.